Mark. Welcome back. Glad you all made it this morning out on this, uh, this cold January morning on Epiphany Sunday uh, to gather for worship again for early worship. We're so glad that you have joined us here uh, this morning. Last night, um, our uh, Sunday school class had our annual Epiphany party because there's just too much that happens right before Christmas during Advent, and so it got moved one year, it got bumped to Epiphany, and so now we've, uh, we've continued the Epiphany tradition. We also do the uh, gift exchange where you bring something that you don't want anymore that you wish no one had given you in the first place. And, uh, and then we share and trade and steal these gifts from other people. I ended up last night with the most coveted of all gifts um, and the most terrifying. Uh, some, uh, a couple of elf figurines that showed up last year that have maybe the most creepy expressions that you have ever seen. Um, and, uh, and that I, I, I'm, I fear I will wake up one morning and see them sitting on the pillow next to me, um, plotting my demise. Um, so, uh, so those will uh, be returned next year. Um, you know, there were, were other amazing gifts that happened. Um, a uh, live goldfish uh, was, uh, was in a box that said, do not shake, uh, with exclamation points on it. In any other company, these gifts might be tragic or odd. Well, they were still odd. Um, or, uh, or, or not funny at all, but just horrible, horrible gifts. Uh, but in this company of good folks, uh, they were hilarious, and they were fun, and they were heartwarming with each other. Uh, just kind of like this morning, uh, the fog and the mist that was just laying gently across the hills uh, and the, uh, the streets this morning was gorgeous and beautiful when it's accompanied with the sun, when it's accompanied with the dawn and with new light. And uh, this morning, whatever we bring here, perhaps we'll find um, a new and different glow about it because of the company that we are here with this morning, with one another and with the Christ who is with us and among us. And perhaps in this place, uh, we can then find a new way to see the world around us as we envisage uh, Christ among us and with us uh, in this new year. So this morning, let's worship together. Please join me in the call to worship. God, your star still shines in the heavens. Your warm glow still emerges from that sundown stable, rundown stable. The shimmer of newborn eyes still resounds to the darkness. Open your eyes to your brilliance, to see your brilliance. Now I invite you to, uh, to greet those around you and pass the peace.
Sorry, I, I missed it this morning. Uh, you all have sat down, so uh, feel free to stand again as you are able as we sing together um, a song appropriate for Epiphany that we celebrate today. We Three Kings of Orient are uh, number 151 in your hymnals. We're going to sing the first and the last verses together. It's Sarah Ashley had a little bit of a tumble running, and it's caused some double vision. So I was over there quickly trying to increase the font of her reading because she was going to use one of the pew Bibles. Um, but I'll just go ahead and do the reading if that's okay. But we'll ho hope you'll uh, soon be out of this little frustration that you've got to be dealing with. So it's some double vision and some frustration. Here now, Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, for darkness shall cover the earth, and a thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They are gathered or together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away. Your daughter shall be carried on their nurse's arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephen, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord.
being a fairly average student of of liturgy and litany and all that stuff, I always want whatever song I do to sort of match what's happening. And this is Epiphany Sunday, the first the Sunday that celebrates Jesus acknowledgement of Jesus the King. So I turn, as I have many decades, to our fellow Kentuckian, John Jacob Niles, for this wonderful song of Christmas that I will do any time between November and April. I wonder as I wonder out under the sky How Jesus the Savior would come for to die For poor only sinners like you and like I I wonder as I wonder out under the sky was in a cow stall with wise men and farmers and shepherds and all but high from God's heaven the stars like did fall and the promise of ages it then did recall if Jesus had wanted anything, a star in the sky, or a bird on the wing, or all of God's angels in heaven for to sing, he surely could have it, for he was the Jesus the Savior did come for to die for poor hungry people like you and like I. I wonder as I wonder out under the Well, here we go again, right? Another year, 2019. Uh, I was amazed. I was actually up till midnight, even though we were tempted to use a Netflix program that you can use for your children. It allows you to pretend that it's midnight when it's actually 9 p.m. or 8 p.m. You've done that? Okay, Aaron's, Aaron's in the confession over here. But one of the gifts of the new year is it allows us perhaps to do a little bit of a reset on our lives, to fine tune our spiritual antenna, to try to listen to the voice of God and to begin to ask ourselves questions that are helpful at any part of our journey, but with permission for a new year. Questions like, what means and techniques do you employ to find direction? How do you determine how you're going to chart your course. Do you follow your heart? Do you trust your gut? Are you ruled by your emotions? 
Do you have a, a personal mission statement, whether formal or informal, a, a way of guiding your values, your decisions, the courses of action that you take? Do you listen to your friends? Do you seek counsel with others? Do you pray and seek spiritual guidance? Are you able to hear the inner voice of the spirit within? Do you just mainly react to the world around you with little reflection on the reasons and motivations, just like a pinball bouncing around in a slotted machine? How do you take command of the course of your lives? As a bit of review for those that are probably very familiar to the story of the lectionary, this is, as Aaron said, Epiphany Sunday. It falls every year on the 6th of January. It's normally when we talk about the, the divine manifestation that was recognized by the Magi from the East that come to visit the baby Jesus. And this whole crafting of the lectionary year is based on a deep history of allowing different dates to stand out as significant over time and over tradition. Principally developed through the Roman Catholic Church, which is really the mother church for all of us that carried the Christian story through most of the history that we have received it in the Western civilization, we begin with Advent. Noticing that the first Sunday of the new church year does not coincide with the calendar year. Beginning here four weeks before Christmas or the time we celebrate the birth of Jesus, focusing first on preparing him to come again into our world and then having this season of Christmas of which we have been a part of recognizing God in human flesh born in the baby of Bethlehem. That's followed by Epiphany, a story that really comes later despite the proclamation we give it in our nativity sets something that perhaps was a part of Jesus's life as a young toddler and if you read that story in the uh, second chapter of Matthew you learn that when the magi come to visit him they entered into the house to see the baby boy and that when Herod decided that the, he was a threat he commanded all children under the all male children under the age of two to be slaughtered. So perhaps Jesus was a little bit older and so we're quickly moving through his life. Next Sunday is the baptism of our Lord. Talk about a time machine. Because we're building our way to the beginning of his earthly ministry and the focus as we now move into the beginning of our calendar year and the story of Jesus and his teachings to then culminate with Lent, this story of his suffering and his gift of life and gift of wisdom to Easter, crucifixion, and resurrection. And then this big hunk of time that we participate in the summer is called ordinary time after Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit, because we are now thinking about the story of Jesus as he lived in the earth, and then the second half of the liturgical year is thinking about how we as the church are then to live out the teachings of Jesus in our own ordinary time. And so, as Aaron mentioned, perhaps it's okay to conflate a white elephant event with the celebration of Epiphany. Because we live in two different calendars, two different times. The 
ongoing sequence of time that we are familiar with, January, February, March, etc., where most of the world orders its time, but then this invitation that we have from above to think about a different timetable, that God is at work doing things outside of ordinary, regular, secular passing of time. In Scripture, this distinction is known between chronos and kairos. Chronos or chronology is the ordered sequence of time. Things happen on schedule. You look at the uh, plane uh, schedule on those beautiful um, boards as you travel, and you just hate it when you see delayed. Chronos. But then there's kairos. What is normally translated in the Bible is when the time is fulfilled, when the time is right. Something that you can't always put on a calendar. Who knows when it's right for a baby to be born? Who knows when it's right for God to appear in our midst? And those who are so spiritually driven seek to hear this other story, sometimes discreet, sometimes not obvious, that God is at work. And that we live through this tension of things as we want them to occur on our schedule and then seeking to be patient for what perhaps is God's schedule. We have our timetables, but God has God's timetable. And when those moments of kairos appear, they are manifestations that the holy has walked among us. And I would imagine everyone here can give testimony to moments of kairos in your life where you knew and felt the presence of God. Not something for every day, maybe not something for every month or every year, but the moments when you knew that God in a powerful way has visited your life. And so we're presented with contrasting visions of how to go about life and how to manage life, even if you are a person of leadership, a person that has some influence in the world. And in the second chapter of Matthew, we find two uh, categories of those who wish to recognize Jesus and talk about his birth and what it may mean for them. One of these personalities is the King Herod, and the other are the Magi. Alternative approaches. Two ways that we might intersect our lives with this wonderful story of human possibility and transformation presented in prophetic fulfillment of Christ's birth upon the earth. First, we have Herod, the supposed king. I say supposed because we know Judea over which he ruled was actually a vassal of the greater power of Rome. Herod could do nothing that might threaten Roman command or ultimate rule. He could suppress his own people to ensure their servitude to their true Roman masters, but he certainly didn't have the courage or the will or the respect or the power and most likely the desire to do anything at all to liberate his own people from this overarching 
command. He was a king going along to get along, concerned only for himself and his power and privilege. You know, there's no point in upsetting the common order, especially if it insulated you and protected you. Let the rest of the world be damned. His thin-skinned insecurity and paltry heart would be capable of shocking acts of evil that we will learn about quickly at the end of chapter 2 and his order to kill the small children. And the only homage, the only worship that he truly could command was not based on authentic respect. He may have been able to force your obedience by kingly fiat, but he never was going to earn your authentic respect. You could bow before him, but you likely were quietly rebelling inside. These same tiresome strategies have been employed by evil despots throughout the history of the world. Suppress the truth. Attack your attackers. Never admit a mistake. Always project a confident defiance, whether you know what you're doing or not. Find scapegoats to blame for all the problems that are there, even the ones you you, you yourself have manufactured. Keep people afraid. Brag about how great you all. Tell others you are their only hope. And when they get out of line, teach them a lesson. Cut them down and stomp them out. I know no one here can think of anyone like that. But these leaders may demand our obedience but they never truly receive our homage. And history is never, ever kind to them. But Matthew doesn't leave us hanging. Yes, there are these less than elevated role models who may have temporary power and influence, but God's busy writing a different story in the world. Another way for us to be in the world a new path for us to be inspired by. And so these are parts of the story of the Magi that I find inspirational. First, they work as a team. Now, by tradition, we say there were three of them, but we really don't know. It's not specified. We assume three because of the three gifts. But that doesn't really mean there were three. Uh, Maybe One had two gifts and one had none. Maybe it was a collection. Maybe there were women in the Magi's group. Wouldn't that upset a few apple carts along the way? Later in tradition, these three will come to represent the three corners of the known world, Africa, Europe, and Asia. You may have one of those nativity sets where one wise man, because it's the nativity set, talking about history, just in your nativity set. One wise man has a black face, one wise man has a brown face, and one wise man has a white face. David Keck, writing in Christian Century last month, said that when Gene Roddenberry was casting the crew for the Enterprise on the debut pilot of Star Trek in 1966, he realized that he was also making a political statement. And so he made sure that the bridge of leadership on the starship would actually indicate and depict officers from different countries and continents from around the world. 
Martin Luther King recognized the power of this. Nicole Nichols, who played Lieutenant Uhura, didn't want to return after the second season. She was ready to do something else. And Dr. King pointed out to her how important it was for the American viewing public to see an African-American woman helping lead a spaceship into the future. It's a wonderful vision, isn't it? Pulling all the wisdom we can from so many different sources, so many different traditions, and recognizing that if we can work together to attack our problems rather than attacking each other, then perhaps we'll go a long way further of addressing the difficulties before us. I also like the way the Magi are open to truth. They'll seek it out wherever that truth may lead them. They're not trying to control their power or show their importance. They see a star. They've studied the star. They've listened to ancient text. And they're willing to go to follow the star wherever the star may lead them. And they listen to this inner voice that they have heard through dreams. That they are willing to have a multi-layered understanding of the presence of God, community, wisdom, ancient text, watching around the circumstances of what is occurring, understanding this intuitive sense of truth and moving, moving in the direction that we feel God is calling. In the Greek, this homage is played with, interestingly. Remember in the story here it says, can you tell me when this baby's to be born? I would like to go and pay my homage to him as well. And this word homage in the Greek is where we get the word prostrate. It means to literally put your forehead on the floor. What has inspired us to that level of humility, that level of surrender, that level of unreserved surrender and obedience to goodness? Jesus will grow up to show us what a totally different kind of king he really is. A king that will accept our gifts just exactly as you present them. Who allow us to be exactly who we authentically are without concern if we fit a mold. And if we've ever been far from home or misunderstood or wrongly judged. If your pursuit of truth has led you to strange lands and hanging out with unusual people. If you've ever, ever left the march of the crowd and desired to follow something greater than earthly power, position, and privilege, and you have used your gifts and skills to help the needy and to champion the forlorn, to bow down with humility, to give the treasure you have for holy purposes, then you have entered into the hope of the world and the truth of the gospel. Here we are at a new year. To whom will we listen? And who will lead us ahead? In our response together now uh, with a with a song that you'll find uh, number 152 in your hymnals maybe a new song to you is a new song to me
What star is this with beams so bright? So we'll sing this together and, and learn it together as we uh, contemplate the presence of Christ among us. sit quietly if you want to sit quietly and pray. If you want to get up and come over to the table and light a candle to symbolize your prayer to God this morning, you're welcome to do that as well. If you want to contemplate the icon and the quote that you'll find on the back of your orders of worship, you're welcome to do that as well as we just take some time to be present. sometimes that that is simply the hardest thing to do is just to be here right now to not be a few minutes ahead to not be later on this afternoon to not be yesterday mulling over all the missteps and mistakes but there is in some ways some fear sometimes of just being right now, holy in this moment. So let's take a few moments and 
attempt that together. Before we spend this time in quiet reflection, though, let's read our call to prayer together. As those kings traveled long ago, so you have invited us to journey. have called to us from the cramped cottage where young parents struggle to make ends meet. You have accepted our awkward and ill-fitting gifts with a warm and grateful smile. You have accepted us. stillness we are reminded that you are here among us that you see us through and through to the very core of our being that you see all of the heartaches that you see all of the hurts that you see the, the baggage that we carry with us from another year of living things that we are so afraid to let go of. 
see those things that cover up our true selves make us a little less than what your dreams might be. those beautiful gifts that you have given that make us entirely unique and that in all those things God that you have complete and utter and total and unchangeable love souls that we might be with you. That we might know the true and full acceptance that you offer to us just as we are. In the midst of that, will you heal us? That we might offer that same love and acceptance to those around us. Not to change, not to recreate into our own image, but instead to see the beautiful and glorious image of you that lies deep within each and every soul. As you came to earth in flesh so long ago, you have joined us this morning for worship, that you could be with us here. Um, grateful to begin a new year again together. And now as we leave this morning and as we go out, I invite you to stand and uh, as we sing one last song together that you'll find printed in your orders of worship. Yeah.
go in peace.